Good, good morning. I hope you guys are doing well. I'm, I'm Adrian. It's been a little bit since I've been here, but happy to be here with you and, and begin talking about or continue talking uh, in this series about spiritual warfare. And you know, as I was, I was thinking about, you know, spiritual warfare, I, I kind of thought back to when I was in uh, Sunday school, when I was little, because I always used to think that kind of the season for spiritual warfare was, was in October, right? And especially towards the end of October. And, you know, I remember I had a, a Sunday school teacher who, uh, who always seemed like she had a difficult time during the month of October. She always seemed kind of wore out. And, and, it, and it was because she, you know, she was saying that she was in the spiritual warfare, you know, and when it would get closer to, to, to October, to Halloween, you know, she would actually be complaining about how trouble with breathing and she claimed to have seen evil spirits and things like that. And, you know, it's uh, um, probably one of the reasons why I, I don't like watching kind of those those like scary, uh, suspenseful, spiritual, like not spiritual, but um, like demon movies, you know, movies about demons and spirits and stuff like that. And I'm not talking about Ghostbusters, but <laughs> right. I'm talking about those ones that, you know, after you watch it, you're sitting there thinking about it for the next week or so. Right. The, the kind of movies where where you're in your shower and you're washing your hair and you, you hear something or you feel something and you're trying to get the water off of your face because you know something you want to make sure, right? You know, I, I, in reality, that's what happens to me. And, and it's, I, I think it's because I, I believe it's true, right? I, I believe the whole idea of spiritual warfare is a real thing because I do believe they're spirits and they're warring with us. Now, I'm not talking about spirits of dead people, you know, people that have, have passed away. I, I don't believe that we actually see in the Bible that when people die, that their spirits stay here on earth and, and bother us and, and give us problems. I, I don't see that in the Bible, but the Bible does talk about spirits, right? That, that God created spiritual beings, now, there's a, a host of spiritual beings that God created, and the Bible refers to them as angels. But there's also a host of spiritual beings that, that God created that rebelled against God, that once they were called angels, they rebelled against God, and God threw them out of heaven and threw them down to earth, and the Bible now refers to them as angels or as demons and devils. You know, in a, the way that God created us, he, he created us with, with power to operate and function in this, in this physical world, right? The, the power to move, the, the power of the mind to be creative, to, to think things through, the power of our emotions to, to care and to love for people. But God created angels with power as well. And when those angels decided to defy God and rebelled against God and were thrown out of heaven, they didn't lose all of their powers, right? That God gave them the power to, to operate and to function in both a, a spiritual world and this physical world. 
And so I very much believe that spiritual warfare happens today because there is a spiritual beings who are here on earth warring against God. And whether we want to believe it or not, because we live on this world, we are in the middle of this spiritual warfare. You know, those demons, those evil spirits that were cast out of heaven, they no longer use the power that God created them with to serve God. They use that power to war against Him. And in the spiritual warfare that we all will experience, we, we experience it and we're at war in, in three different places, against the, the world, against our flesh, our old sinful nature, and against the devil. And, and if you remember last week, we, we talked about this and we saw this in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world and following the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Now today, we want to look at what it's talking about when it's saying that we're at spiritual war with the world. And this is what we believe it's saying when when you hear this reference of the world in the Bible, specifically now, it really is referencing the world as an organized system in opposition and rebellion against God. Right? It's, it's a system of ideas, of philosophies, of, of practices that oppose God and oppose His truth. Right? And we call it a system because it didn't happen by accident. It wasn't something that, you know, was just kind of thrown out of a box and somehow it was developed with structure that was effective. It's a system that was developed by Satan, orchestrated by Satan, organized in such a way that its ideas, that its, its philosophies, that its practices can be seen in almost everything that we come into contact with here in this world. Everything. So much so that these, these practices and that these ideas, they become commonplace. And remember, these practices and ideas are opposed to God and His truth. And they become commonplace in every culture on earth, passed down from generation to generation, a system that Satan is in charge of, that Satan is in control of. You know, John explained this to, to the early church in 1 John chapter 5. He says, we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one, Satan. Satan is tirelessly, intentionally working every day, right, to, to convince us 
that everything that we want in life, that everything that we desire in life, the things that we were created to pursue in life can be achieved from this world, can be, can be gotten from this world apart from God and his truth. Look what it says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. You see, what is the good news, right? The, the good news of the, the gospel, the, the good news of the Bible is that we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ gave his life for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins and have a relationship with God. And Satan is working hard to conceal, to, to blind people's eyes to this truth and convince them that they can find joy, peace, happiness from the world apart from God. Now, you know, it's not just Satan that's working behind the scenes. It's not just Satan that we're fight, fighting against in this world system because our flesh actually has a part to play in it as well. And in the coming weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Satan and we'll talk about our fle flesh. But like I said, we, we want to focus on this war against this world system. Now, Last week, we talked about um, footholds and strongholds, right, in this spiritual battle, right? Footholds, those positions that are taken to gain more ground, right? The, like climbing a mountain, that, that foothold, that place you, you put your foot, you're not putting it there just so that you can sit there and, and, and not move again, right? You're, you're putting it there because you, you want the next step. You're going for the next grab, footholds. Strongholds are those positions that, that are taken and then fortified for, to defend against attack. Well, here's the, the, the danger, right? Of, here's what's happening in this war, the spiritual battle we have against the world. It's this, that the world is trying to establish footholds by putting ideas in our mind that go against God's word. The world is trying to establish footholds by putting ideas in our mind that go against God's word. You see, in the more footholds that we allow the world to have in our life, right? The more, the more, the more that we're convinced that the things that the world is saying is true over God's word these things begin to, 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 to interfere with our relationship with God, right? They come in between our relationship with God, affecting how we live out our life and affecting how we pursue God. You know, Paul actually saw this, right? He, he saw this happening, this, this world system trying to gain footholds within the Colossian church, you know, and he, and he saw it without even actually being at the church. He saw what Satan was trying to do, and, and he gave the Colossians 
a warning in Colossians chapter 2. It says this, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of the world rather than from Christ. You see, Paul is, is telling the early church, this, this church in, in the Colossian church, he's telling them, don't get caught up and convinced that what the world is telling you is true. And you know, believe it or not, we are in the same kind of war that this Colossian church was in. We're surrounded by a world that is trying to convince us of, of things that, that things to be true that actually oppose God's word and oppose God himself. I mean, every day we're immer like immersed in it. What we see on TV, what we hear on the radio, the interactions we have at work, the news, I mean, it's, it's, it's all throughout. Again, it's a system built intentionally to feed us lies in everything that we touch throughout our day. And so what I want to do today is, is give you a, a couple of examples, several examples, actually. And, but, but I want you to understand that these are just examples Right? Some of these may, you may feel a connection to, like you may feel like, oh, that's what's happening to me right now. Others of them, maybe you'll say, I don't got to worry about that one. But, but what I want this to do is I want this to spark something. I, I want this to open your eyes to the things that the world is telling us that are opposed to God. Things that the world is telling us are true that are actually lies. And so, we'll start, let's start with social media, right? Now, social media is a good thing. I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm not on it much. You know, people hate the way that I communicate through it, but it's a good thing, right? I mean, it, it's, allowed, uh, it's allowed us, some of us, to communicate with people from very long distances easier than we ever have in human history, in my opinion. Right? I mean, it's not perfect. You know, sometimes people share too much. Sometimes people share the wrong things. But it's, it's something that can be very good, right? Keeping families in touch who are living far away, allowing them to see what's going on in each other's lives. But here's one thing. Here's a, a bad idea that begins to sink into people's minds and affect the way that they behave while they're using social media. It's the idea that our value as human beings is attached to our social media profile and how many people like us, how many people follow us. I think we've all seen people like this that become consumed by it, right? That become consumed by it so much so that it becomes the most important thing in their life. They, they have to have those likes, and it begins to uh, affect their behavior in order to get those likes. But you see, this is a lie. 
Because the Bible tells us that, that, that we were wonderfully made in the image of God. Right? And the Bible tells us that, that we are so important to God that, that he gave his life for us so that we could have a relationship with him. You see, when we begin to buy into this idea that our value is tied up in, in to social media things, we're giving the world a foothold into our life. Because our value is found in our relationship with God. The next one, commercialism. Commercialism. Now, um, I'm a capitalist at heart, right? I can't say that I'm like incredibly successful in business, but I still like capitalism, right? I still work for somebody. I'm not self-employed, so. But... But look, I believe capitalism is the best economic system that provides people opportunity and allows people to, to move through income classes, right, to the most people. I, I truly do. But, but capitalism isn't perfect, right? There, there's, there are some problems with it. But, but I enjoy the things that capitalism has provided us, the comforts that we get through it. I really enjoy it. But see, here's, here's a, an idea. Here's a philosophy that, that begins to be fed to us through capitalism, is that the more that we acquire, right, through commercialism, the more that we acquire, the more things that we can get, the happier that we'll become, the happier that we'll be. You see, what happens is uh, the, the message we get is, you know, the, the commercials that we watch, I mean, just, just everything is, is designed around convincing us that if we get this one thing, we'll be happy. Have you ever, I mean, other than the, you know, the dog commercials to adopt a pet or something like that, everybody is happy on commercials, right? And that's where we want to be. So, I mean, it's designed around getting us to believe that if we can just figure out how to, how to get this stuff, we'll be happy. Life will be good. But what it ends up doing is coming in between us and God. Because you, you see what the Bible says about true happiness, right, where true joy comes from. In Psalms 4, 6, um, and I don't have this passage to put up on the screen, but it says this. Many people say, who will show us better times? Who will show us better times? Let your face smile on us, Lord. You have given me greater joy than those who have, who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. You see, the Bible teaches us that God is the source of true joy and happiness, not the stuff that we can acquire, right? The, the material possessions, right? The, the bountiful harvest and the new wines, the, the watches that we can wear, the, the cars that we want to drive, the houses that we can buy, the toys, you know, all these things that we can acquire don't provide true joy and happiness. They actually end up, when we're pursuing those things for that, they actually end up coming in between us and God, 
the one who provides true joy and happiness. And when we buy into this lie, that the more we purchase, the more we can acquire, the happier we'll be, we're giving the world a foothold in our life. Politics. You know, the Bible says that uh, systems of government and even the people in them have been appointed by him, right? That he has established these rules of law. And it's supposed to be a good thing. But, but what happens when the people that are in these places don't actually follow God or believe in his truth? And, I mean, in our system, we can kind of expect, right? We have elected officials that pass laws for us, right? Elected officials that represent us in the ruling of this nation. But they are also elected by people that may not share the same values that we have, may not believe in, the, believe in our God or, or, or believe in his truth. And so we can expect that we're going to have leaders that don't follow God. We can expect that. But see, the problem comes in when these leaders begin to uh, ask us to agree with them on stuff that is opposed to God's truth. And there's many, many examples of it in many different things. The one example that I'll give is, is something that is likely fresh on a lot of people's minds is the idea about abortion. Terminating a baby before it's born, right? And there's some in these political areas of, that would want us to believe and want us to agree with them that this should be allowed under any circumstance. Any circumstance. But you see, the Bible tells us that life is precious. That life should be protected. And do you, do you know that the, the Bible actually tells us that life begins before we actually take our first breath of air when we're born? In Psalms 139 in verse 13 and 15 through 16, it says this, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. You see, this, this psalmist is, is talking about that he had life. He was alive, and God saw him and was knitting him together, was building him in his mother's womb. See, we shouldn't give our approval. We shouldn't agree just because laws are passed or people are moving in a certain direction. We shouldn't be convinced that these ideas and philosophies are right when they oppose God and his truth. Because when we do, it becomes a foothold for the world in our life. You know, and the truth is, is that our disagreement may not change anything, right? But specifically in, in this 
area of abortion. This is, I believe that we should share. We share God's truth. We share the truth that life is valuable and should be protected. And I also believe that in these circumstances specifically, we, we've got to be compassionate, right? And we compassionately help people who, who find themselves in circumstances where they don't feel like there's a way out, where maybe they feel like they have no other options. And guess what? You don't have to understand them. But you should be compassionate about helping them understand that there are options available to help them that value life and maybe even consider being that option that helps them value life. Another area, false religions, right? The, I heard a long time ago that every false religion has a little bit of truth. And I, I think it's true, right? It's got enough truth in it possibly to be confusing, Enough truth in it maybe to, to, to distract you and, and kind of uh, cause confusion, distract you, and, and, and maybe lead you away. You know, they have ideas, their ideas and philosophies that don't line up with God and His truth. You know, I think one of the the biggest ideas that you'll find in all world religions, right? All world false religions that you'll find is the idea that you can somehow work your way into heaven, that you can earn your way into heaven, whether it's from uh, just being good enough, you know, just, just living a good life. Maybe it's worded in a way that if you work hard enough, do these specific good deeds, follow these rules, you'll make it into heaven. If your good outweighs your bad, you'll make it into heaven. Well, here's the thing. This is what the, the Bible says about it. Ephesians 2, starting verse 8, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you have done. So none of us can boast about it. You see, the idea of somehow earning your way into heaven, the idea of somehow earning a relationship with God, the idea of somehow being good enough to, to make it to whatever that afterlife is, is a bad idea that is opposed to God and his truth. And when we begin to believe it, it gets a foothold in our life and affects our relationship with God and affects how we pursue God. Progressivism. Progressivism. That's a big word. Complicated word with and I'd probably say in this room we might have, you know, 50 different definitions for it. So let me kind of explain to you what I mean by it. Progressivism, that kind of idea of moving away from religiously, right? The idea of moving away from traditional, uh, traditional uh, beliefs and, and practices. 
right? This would be, maybe this would be it, is, is the idea that the Bible is, was written for people 2,000 years ago, doesn't really have much application now, uh, just a good source of literature, right? An idea like that. Or, or maybe it's the idea that the Bible isn't necessarily equipped to, to help us handle the social issues and, and problems that come up in this day, right? The, the idea that the Bible has some holes in it, and so what we need to do is we've got to go out to the world and, 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 and grab some world philosophies and ideas and bring those back and, and supplement the truth of the Bible because it doesn't address everything. We'll see... Look what 2 Timothy says about God's Word. Oh, forgot I don't have that slide. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. You see, what God is saying that the Bible teaches us what is true, helps us realize what is wrong, that it, it corrects us, it, it teaches us to do what's right, that it, will, that it will prepare us and equip us to do every good work. Every good work. You see, God says that the Bible is enough. I think it's easy for us to kind of get sucked into that idea that the Bible has holes, that the Bible can't be used to help us address the issues that we face today. When we allow ourselves to get sucked into that frame of thinking that the Bible is not enough, we're allowing the world to have a foothold in our life because God says the Bible is enough. Relativism, right? The idea that, that truth is only relative, that if, as long as you live your life by your truth and, and I live my life by, by my truth, in the end, everything is going to work out okay. Because all that matters is what we believe is true. I think we can look throughout history and it's just plain to see that that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Look what, uh, look what, look what the Bible says about it. First, 2 Timothy 4.3 4, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. The idea that, rel that truth is relative contradicts everything in the Bible. Contradicts God and his truth. And we can begin to buy into that little by little. I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say, your truth is your truth? Truth isn't relative. You see, bad ideas are all around us. The world is feeding us bad ideas 
uh, uh, thoughts and philosophies that contradict God, that oppose God and his truth. You see, and this is the devil's plan. This is the devil's plan. See, the, John, he saw this too, right? He, he saw the schemes of the devil, and this is what he says in 1 John. He says, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. You see, Satan's plan is to replace God in your life. So how do we fight this war? How do we fight this, this spiritual battle? You know, in America, we like to say that we like the right to bear arms. Do we go and grab our guns and strap on our guns and, and start shooting? Right? Do we, do we uh, form militias? Right? Do we form militias and grab our flags and mount our flags to our trucks and our 50 cows in the back and drive down the street towards the Capitol? Is that how we solve the problem? Is that how we fight this spiritual war? You know, at times, I think it might be a little easier, I'll admit. But the thing we have to remember is that this is a spiritual war. This is a spiritual war. We're not fighting people. It's a spiritual war. Ephesians says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So how do we fight this war? We win the war with the world by exercising spiritual discernment in our everyday lives. Exercising spiritual discernment in our everyday lives. Romans 2.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed by this world. Don't fall for the lies. Don't fall for the lies. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we become children of God. And the Bible tells us that we're transformed from the inside out, that our minds are renewed while we're pursuing God. While we're getting to know God, while we're growing in our relationship with God. And, and you know one of the things that we do to do that, to grow in our relationship with God, is we read the Bible. Right? God gave us the Bible so that we can discover who He is, so we can get to know Him. God gave us the Bible so that we could read it. And you know, when it says that, that we test everything, guess what we use to test everything? God's Word. We test everything with God's Word. 
This is how we test what we hear from the world. 1 Thessalonians says, test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from from every kind of evil. Test everything. So if you don't read your Bible, if you don't read God's truth, what are you using to test the things that you are being told every single day? Because whether you want to believe it or not, we live underwater. Every day. And if you're not reading your Bible, if you don't know God's truth, if you're not pursuing God by reading his word, you've got nothing to test anything against. You're becoming a foothold for the world. devil's a slick guy, and he set this up intentionally to replace God in our lives. We win the war by intentionally pursuing God and testing everything the world tells us against his truth. Will you pray with me? Father, you are a mighty and a holy God. Father, you are a a God who tells us that you've already won the war. And so, Father, I pray that each of us, as we walk out of here, as we walk into this spiritual war battlefield, Lord, that we would fight against the influence of the world in our lives by pursuing you, by having a a desire to, to know your truth and to know you. So, Father, I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us and give us the courage to choose your truth over the lies of the world. In the name of Jesus, amen.